batty. I'm like a songbird. Yeah. Sorry, I'm an ass. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 164. And we are here and ready to go. I was going to say something important and I lost my train of thought. But, uh, bullet! Uh, he went to sleep. So sorry, guys. No bullet this show. Um, you'll catch him maybe next week. Same time, same channel. Let's get into our... All right. Let's now. Oh, neighbors, aren't they great? They're wonderful. I'm not cutting this out. Screw that. I'm lazy. And also, eh, it is, this is just me. Welcome to my life, guys. Uh, and let's get into the show now. guys here again uh yeah just as i said i'm always you know searching the globe i guess now because i'm always finding people outside of the states um not this one but um yeah just always trying to find the you know next best guest to just share their story and she she reached out to me which is always nice you know to know that there are people that are, like here. yeah and it's, it's always nice to just find people that are like-minded and are just trying to do some good and um, it's, you know, there's so many powerful stories out there. Unfortunately, the only ones we really get to hear are ones that have some sort of fame or something attached to it. Whereas that's true, bad, but true. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are just doing great things with, with less. Um, and so, yeah, why don't, yeah. You, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? All right. So my name is Catherine Laporte and I work in people operations consulting. I, which is the people side of HR, right? So just, you know, just working with people all the time. And I, I travel internationally and nationally talking about uh, neurodiversity and invisible disability. It's a lot of fun. I got to tell you, like, that's, that's my favorite part of my work. I also teach a lot of classes to companies and organizations along the lines of building inclusion and uh, avoiding jerks at work. That actually is one of my, one of my classes is how to deal with the jerk at work, um, things like that. So I do a lot of, a lot of work with education um, and a lot of work growing inclusion, growing innovation and in how we do things, making, uh, focusing on making the world of work a lot more inclusive and a lot more effective uh, for, for all the humans. And I am neuro and physically diverse myself. In fact, I joke, I have more diagnoses than most people in their 70s. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's just, I, I love it. I love everybody. I live in Florida. I have a great, happy life with my with my husband and and five fur babies, and that's pretty much it, I guess. No, that's all right. But yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you, like, what's your actual experience with these conditions? Because you know, I, I love the newer movement of, of like the invisible disability because there's a lot more people standing up and you know taking notice and letting people understand what they're going through because. There's a lot of people with whatever fibromyalgia, MS, just many of these conditions right. where, to the to the naked eye, a lot of people say, "Well, you're, there's nothing wrong with you," and it's like it's it's so right. silly because it's like you don't know how I feel inside, um, right? And and, yeah. and I've talked about this at nauseum that it's like it's one of the biggest problems with us with the disability community is that our logo is a guy in a wheelchair, and the majority of us aren't in uh, wheelchairs. So yes. 
you know, and it really conflicts things and the whole handicapped and all these different terms we use disabled, like we don't, no one really knows what we are. And then there's people like, I've heard a lot in the deaf community where it's like, oh, we're not disabled. We just speak a different language. And it's like, nah, I, I, it's cute. I get that. But it, it, we, a lot of people really try to divulge themselves from the actual community. No one really wants to be a part of it. And right. not enough people speak up. It's actually like when it comes to the chronic pain syndromes, it's there's so many of them, and so many people. My my grandfather had MS, and I saw what he went through, and it's it's awful. Would never want to go through that. And I think we all have some sort of chronic pain here and there, but it's the amount of what you have, and it's it's good that oh, yeah. people like you speak up for it because you know that's why it's called the invisible I think disability. You- like to give honor to what you're saying though uh, you know and that and from the other perspective because i talk a lot about that different is not a deficit and it's not and and people then are confused when i talk about disability and say okay well but disability is not a deficit because <laughs> like you're misunderstanding what i'm saying you know it's like yes these things are complicated they can also be superpowers so you know you and i spoke before and and i talked about you know how the mania parts of my bipolar and my obsessive compulsive disorder have actually been highly productive um, um, symptoms for me. I've had some very interesting manifestations that have actually helped me to be successful. And that's true for most people in the neurodiverse community. There are sort of everything balances, right? So everything balances and people forget that. So where, where one area, you know, might have some complications or, or might suffer, another area will rise up to, you know, to give strength to the, to the whole. And so that's kind of what happens. So yes, this area over here is complicated for whatever reason, whether it's pain or, you know, a different way of processing information or what have you. And then you have the third that gives you strength. So people think that that's a conf- that these are conflicting concepts, but they're not. So you can be disabled and still be a highly capable, worthwhile hire for a company. You can be um, disabled and still be a happy, healthy, you know, overall healthy, productive human being. It's just, it's yeah. not. It's it, one does not exclude the other. No, for sure. Well, I, I and I've said like we, we talked about many times about like the superpower of our disability and just like, you know, I to use me as, as an example because I, I try not to use too many other people's because it's their story. But um, <laughs> you know, the visual thing, like it, it's a lot of times I can see a lot of things that people can't, it's just because I don't have right. I'm not, I don't have any connections or biases towards anything. I can see a lot of things that are in front of people, but like visually, people can see a lot more than me, but. You know, they, right. they, they're they so blind to what's actually going on in front of them. And to me, like, I can pick up on a lot of things and I have certain things like empathy and I can just tap into whatever right. you say, like your third eye. Like I can pick up on things that most people don't um, right. just because, you know, like I said, they're blind in other ways. Um, right. So, yeah, there's ways yeah. to use it to your benefit. It doesn't mean it's still not hard. It still doesn't mean a disability. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's many things. Right. You still, unfortunately, you don't want to have to deal with it. Like, but you do. You get you get as used to it as you can, and then you make you it know, work for your life. It's true. It's so true. And I've had people ask me, you know, would you get rid of you know X Y Z? And when it comes to my health conditions, I don't think there's one that I would keep if I. if I could have an alternative, but, um, for the neurodiversity, I wouldn't get rid of any of it. None of it. I I wouldn't get rid of the OCD. I wouldn't get rid of the bipolar. I wouldn't, 
no, I, I like how my mind functions. It's actually what's made me successful. Hmm. Uh, there are so many benefits to it. I can't really find outside of just, you know, empathy and being able to understand other people's um, story. I, there's not necessarily direct benefits from the medical side. Although, you know, if you get really, you know, depending on how you manage your, your condition, you can get really, you know, really great perspective on yourself, which can also be its own superpower. Right. Yeah. But the, the actual diagnosis itself won't give you benefits that much um, in most cases. So, you know, for those, they could all just go away for all I care, but the neurodiversities, I would not change. I would keep all of them. I, I have four and I wouldn't change it, which surprises a lot of people. They're like, really, you wouldn't get rid of your bipolar? No, not at the least. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, and that's one reason why I like doing it because you can have such open conversations about things that most people don't really understand or talk about. Because yeah, I, I don't. I'm fine with my vision. It's not great, but I'm fine with it in the sense right. like it, it taught me everything I am. Like without it, like if I had my vision in, in a short term, if I had my vision back tomorrow, it would really affect my life negatively. Because how am I going to keep my disability? Like there's part of my income yeah, that would just right. be gone. You know, the job I right. had, a lot of, they hired me based on the fact that I'm visually impaired, so I'd probably lose my job. Right. There's a lot of things that, would, again, obviously, in the long term, it's great. But it's also, but just take that out of the equation. You know, yes, there are things like we would love to, There's, we can't just say like, oh, our disability is just always great. We just have to be positive and strong as best we can because we know this is, there is no alternative for the most part. So we got to live with right. it. So we're trying to make the right. best of a, a bad situation. And you can do a lot more with, you know, what, with, with less and whatever you have, but there's also parts of it where you're like, yeah, like it's not so bad. Um, it, right. it, it goes both ways and it's, but it's not also just trying to like fool people and go like, yeah, I'm the happiest person and this is great. It's, there's some days <laughs> it just, it sucks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I, I try to always kind of balance my conversations with that. Like, no, no, there are days that this blows. Like, I don't, I don't like it at all. It's, it's terrible. And, and again, not so much on the neurodiversity front, um, but uh, although there's some frustrations there too, but you know, with all the, the physical stuff. So for instance, I have uh, mast cell activation syndrome, MCAS. And so just everything will irritate my skin. I can go to the beach and break out in a rash because a piece of seaweed touched me, or I can, you know, hug somebody and break out in hives or start having anaphylaxis because of the shampoo that they use. Um, and it's, it's frustrating and it's irritating and you never know what it's going to be. It's just those random, bizarre things um, that'll get you. And so that one, that one's frustrating. Um, it, you know, it can, it can just be, you know, really difficult. My seizure disorder, which is pretty well controlled now. Um, right. but you know, on bad days, it's not fun, you know, having all your thoughts, you know, and the seizure is not even the worst part. It's having all your thoughts leave your head. And how, you know, how weak you feel and, and that kind of thing. It, it really is, it really is frustrating. And I had a situation, I had flown across the world and I had literally, I was, I had flown to Europe and I was going to give a presentation that I was so excited about at Web Summit, which is a huge convention. Um, you know, we had 70,000 people there this past year. The, the year that this happened, there were 50,000. And I was so excited and I woke up that morning and I had two seizures and I lost my entire speech, which is gone mm-hmm. out of my brain, just nothing. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> what am I going to do? Mm. So I, I called 
I, re- I reached out to my, uh, my liaison and I said, hey, this is what happened. I need to use notes. Is that okay? She goes, sure. And I said, and I need a chair closer to the stage. Is that okay? You know, to wait my turn. She said, yes. And we just kind of worked through some things. I said, okay. And so I sat there and I knew though, because I still don't read very well after a seizure. So I read through the things over and over and over and over and over again, just so that I wouldn't stumble. And I kind of learned the pattern of it again. And I could, you know, kind of keep my brain moving in the right flow. And I, and none of this is what I wanted to be doing that morning. I had like a whole thing set up for, you know, building up to the excitement for this for me. And I was, I had this whole thing planned and none of that happened. So I was just sitting there just going over and over and over it. I'm walking over to the event going over and over and over it again. And I got there and the people around me that were also giving speeches, we were kind of giving these little mini speeches and they were all, you know, Oh, so supportive and, you know, giving me tips and helping me out. And, um, it was really cool. It was, it was really cool of them. And then I got up on stage and everybody, you could just see the audience look at me like, why, why is this person walking up here with notes? Nobody else said this. And I walked up and I told them what happened that morning. And I said, and it's okay because I'm here to talk to you about inclusion. And this is it right here. Yeah. And I kind of dove into it and it ended up, you know, helping the speech. And I've had people say to me, oh, that's so amazing. Yes, it's not amazing. I just did my job. That was, <laughs> I flew across the world to give a speech. I was going to give a speech. Yeah. And that was frustrating as heck to go through. But it ended up ultimately working. And, you know, everybody embraced that. And I got, you know, I, a member of the, uh, of the Paris media came up to me and said, hey, you know, we want to do, we we'll include you in our story that we're doing. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, that was really cool. So I got these opportunities. So I tell everybody, you know, steering into this instead of fighting it makes all the difference in your life and professionally, I think. Yeah. But I mean, I think it is, I mean, in a way it is like, it is awesome and powerful to look at because the average person gets a cold. Like a lot of times we're just like little babies. We just get in our beds and we curl <laughs> up and we're just like, give me, give me soup and tea. And, right. and, and the idea of someone who just had a major seizure and lost all her thoughts and she's on the other side of the world and she's trying to give a speech and now she has to even, it's hard for her to even get out of the chair. It, you're pushing your body to limits that most people wouldn't. Uh, unless you're like an athlete or something, but even that, like, there, it's just a physical thing. Your 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 health is literally on the line, and so it, it's not amazing to you because it's normal. But as a person <laughs> who does it themselves in different ways, it's it is pretty, you know, amazing. It's just it's just for us. But you know, I think you day. I think you hit on it. It's normal for us. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, this is just what you do. You know, you just you just get out and just do it anyway. That's just the thing, and. You know, my my mother has severe rheumatoid arthritis. And so, you know, I've got the example of watching her still go to work, still do her job, stand up and give presentations. Um, and, and so I have that example. So I guess that just was part of me. And it, it just, it never occurred to me not to do it, which frustrated, you know, like my medical team and my husband and all. They're like, what were you thinking that you still went out in public? I said, look here. I came here to do this. This is just what's going to happen. This is just it. And so I think, you know, whenever I, I talk to a lot of people going through all of this, the main thing for me is to remember just who you are and don't let whatever it is stop that. Yeah. So if your thing is 
you know, helping people and all that didn't help people. And if your thing is IT work, then do IT work, whatever you're and, and whatever, you know, and if you want to be a good parent, be a good parent. Um, and please, if you have kids, bother to actually be a good one. Just want to throw that out there. Um, Very important. <laughs> you know, actually be good at it. <laughs> yeah, actually be good at it and put some effort into it. You're making a human. Um, you know, it's just, but I think that's it is, is just, it doesn't define you, but it will change how you do things. But that's okay. Just still be you, you know, just, just it, the one thing that always bugs me is when people use whatever it is as an excuse. You know, like, you know, I, I'm going to, and, and it's stuff that you're looking at them going, you could do this. You just don't want to, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's some practical stuff, you know, like I, I follow Shane Burkall and he's hilarious and he and his wife have a, a show, Squirmy and Grubs. And uh, you know, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes on their YouTube channel is when he challenges, he has SMA and he's in a wheelchair and uh, has very limited mobility, very, very limited. And he, his wife was a collegiate swimmer and competed in all this. And he jokingly challenges her to a swim race, you know, and it's a whole joke. Right. And he knows it's being funny, but yeah, so he, he knows his, his limitations, but he doesn't let anything stop him. He still goes and speaks. He, he does all these adventures and things, goes to Disney world, you know, does all the things that he would do. He works. He's an author, even though he can barely, you know, use his hands. And so it's just, you know, don't let it stop you. And I'm so sorry that my cat no, no, decided I, to I, chime I, in again. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> she's not the first animal to chime in on this show. So. She's like, look here. I have opinions on this too. <laughs> Everybody's going to hear them. <laughs> no, it's fine. I've, I've had birds on the show, dogs. It's all right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, there there is like an unwritten rule to a lot of us that we don't use our problems. Like, because we know, especially when we're, I mean, I'm sure just like you, like you I, or me, I know so many people with disabilities and all different types of, they have all different types oh, of yeah. problems. And so I, I'm, you know, very grateful that it's like, okay, you know what, my legs work. I know so many people in wheelchairs who don't, or don't even have legs at all. Um, I mean, right. just being visually impaired, I know blind people and, and I'm right. grateful for that. And so when I see people in our, you know, our, community that says hey you know oh my eyes are by me that's like yeah okay i get it there's nothing wrong with saying it you're hurting but when you start to use it as an excuse it's like you're making us look bad because that's not yeah exactly like, cut it out yeah yeah don't <laughs> like, like yeah. just stop just just no just no. just cut that out just don't have a bad attitude about it you know <laughs> just, and you're gonna have bad attitude days right that's okay yeah. you have your days where you're just pissed off sure that, that this is what's happening and it's frustrating and it is it is aggravating and I remember um so one of the things that was super fun for me was I went through oh god hold on how many years um right at about 15 actually like almost on the dot 15 years of being told that I just had you know bad periods I'm sorry we're gonna be a little like, oh, no, you're fine. I just went to the doctor for but, being constipated, so but, we can put there it on you go, the There you go. There you go. So there it is. Um, so, <laughs> and, and I was told after years, I kept saying, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. And I had cysts, and they would burst. I was like, oh, that happens to women, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, okay, no, I keep telling you, this is what I have. This is what I'm feeling, you know. Um, I, I had, I had uh, five miscarriages. And people are like, oh, why weren't you on birth control? Yeah, no, I was. First of all, I can't take certain hormonal birth controls. Um, that does not work for my body, so I can't do hormones. 
Um, I am allergic to to basically all kinds of materials, as I discussed earlier. So, sure. you know, prophylactics didn't work. And then um, we even tried the shot. And also, side note, my husband is super potent, so it didn't matter what we did; he beat it all anyway. Uh, even the Depo-Provera shot. So, hmm. um, so I had five miscarriages, and I kept telling the doctors I want my tubes tied, and they wouldn't do it. And I kept, and then I started when my, my, all my health with all my reproductive stuff got worse. I kept saying I wanted a hysterectomy and people wouldn't do it. And because they kept saying, Oh, but you want babies. You want babies. I'm like, well, actually, no, no, I really don't. I just, I need you to like, I gave up on that many, many years ago and I'm okay with my life. I love my life. My life is great. I just want to be healthy. And people kept telling me what I wanted and all this. It was very frustrating. And when I had, my last miscarriage, I was so angry because I was so tired of that. I was in pain. There was no reason for it. I went through all that ridiculous hormonal stuff, um, which it's, that's something that people don't talk about. It is the hormonal nonsense that happens to you when you have a miscarriage. It is horrible. Um, And it, you know, it's mood swings and sweats and discomfort and my body being confused and, it was, it was just awful. And I was so angry. I was so angry. I had, I actually had to take a couple of days off of work because I was so angry. I just couldn't even talk to other people. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just infuriated. Um, but I got over it and I decided, I was like, this is not productive. This is, this is not what's going to happen. And I moved forward and I found the doctors and I got it all, you know, finally found doctors that would listen and, and took care of it. And we, got everything taken care of. And so I give a lot of grace to you. It God, like there are bad days and you you can have a bad attitude for a while. That's okay. That's part of the process. But to just dwell in that, that's a choice. Sure, yeah. And I mean, even on the mental health side, you know, and, and nobody wants to hear that, but it's so true. Um, and this is coming from someone who, who overcame this themselves, um, you know, even with depression and stuff like that, you can choose to steer into it or choose not to. And you can't necessarily stop the chemical things that are happening to you, but you can make a choice not to just stay in bed all day and do nothing. You can make a choice to still have a life. And it's the same thing with physical disability. It's, you know, when you're, having all this pain and all this, you can still choose to have a life and to live life to the fullest. Yeah. And take advantage of those good health days because there are some days that are better than others for those who have disabilities who fluctuate. You know, if you have a recurring one that, you know, like if you're totally deaf or totally blind, we're not talking to you because your disability stays the same. But if if you, if you constantly fluctuates and where you actually are days, even if they're still bad, their days are better than others. Take advantage of them. Like if you're just not very productive on those days and, but on the, and and now like you have some reprieval, you feeling, okay, do the dishes, you know, take a shower, do the things that you are not, you know, normally inclined to feeling like doing in those really bad days, especially the mental ones. Cause mentally, usually when you're having bad health days and your mental health tends to kick in with it, unfortunately. Yeah. And it kicks your ass. Oh, so true. Cause I don't know about you, yeah. like with my eyes, I, when I'm having bad eye days and let's say it's going on for a couple of days, I start to go in the headspace of, Oh, here they go. And they're going for good. Now you'll never get back to your normal, which my normal isn't right. Good. The spiraling. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you start to just pile on and pile on. And now, now you're just in a bad place. 
Um, you know, of course, the longer you've dealt with this, the more you're able to combat it. But still, you, no matter how strong you're and how much you've dealt with this and how much you're like a, a veteran at this, you still have those days where you get dragged back down into the depths of whatever and, and yes. you're feeling like shit. But it's okay. That's the thing. Heck yeah. That's what I've talked about with a lot of other strong people. Sometimes we feel like it's wrong to cry or it's wrong to be weak or cause because no. sometimes we're the strong ones in our circle and people look to us. And so it's like, no, I, but it, it's, it really is okay to want to punch a pillow. It's really okay to cry yeah. and scream and curse yourself, you know, curse out loud or whatever, as long as it's, you know, yep. as long as you're getting something out of it and it's not something that's going to recur for a long period of time, it really is okay. Exactly. Cause I've had those, oh, gosh, where yeah. I have to download a bunch of thoughts and I just have to clear Yep. I just have to, you know, wipe it clean like a computer. Like you really just have to clean the hard drive and just start over. And yes. just, it's like, okay, how do we go from point A to point B? How do we get here? Okay. Then sometimes, sometimes you don't really have an answer. It's just like, okay, I'm just feeling this way. Cause I'm overwhelmed based on all these thoughts that have been rushing through my head and, you know, changes at work and health and this, and this, you know, these some, some things are actually natural and it's okay to be sad and angry at you just yes. have to deal with Gosh, it. Gosh, yes. Yes. And that's the thing is the dealing with it. That's the part. Like, yes, do it. Have that faith. Go through it. Um, even, you know, we, if you get a diagnosis, even if it's something you've had for a long time, so it's not, you know, something new that's happening. It can be new to put a name to it, right? And so that can kind of set off a chain of emotions and phases and maybe a grief process, depending on what it is. And, um, and that's all healthy. Like you said, that's all healthy. But don't live in that nonsense. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm like, dude, no, like, live your life. Do whatever it is you're going to do. I, I have people, and they're like, and, and this, this is one that really cracks me up. People go, oh, you know, you're so successful in spite of all your stuff that in spite of. But you think I, like, I like take it off like it's just something, like, kind of standing in my way. I can just, like, kick it out of the way. I'm like, heck no. Like, all this comes with me all the time. I am successful with these things. I said, this is part of me. This is just part of what I live every single day. I was like it's not a removable whatever and it's the same yeah, like thing with a, happiness like it's a coat you just put it on a coat rack and just yeah like, I'll just, be back I just took it off like yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get back to you in a minute yeah, give me, don't give worry me about it i'll circle back yeah i'm like geez no no this is not an in spite of thing this this is just with these things um and it doesn't get to come off and also it, it's complicated too i think one of the most complicated things to learn when you have medical stuff and, and disability and is, is how, when, and to whom, and that to whom is important to vent and to let them really see what it's like. Because most people, and this is just bad and true, can't handle it. I, I don't know if it's that they don't know what to do so they feel awkward. Well, I shouldn't say that. I do know that for some people, that's what it is. For some people, it's um, this makes me uncomfortable and I just, don't want to deal with it. Some people just think that you should keep that to themselves and not make them feel inconvenienced. Some people will care and genuinely want to be there for you, but they will eternally view you as weak if you open up your mouth and nothing you can ever do again will change their minds. And so you have to decide, is that something I want to risk with this human? So people, I think that's another thing that a lot of people miss is that it's so hard to figure out who you can let really let in for those bad days. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people, you throw them in the water, they, you know, they say sink or swim. Some people just start fluttering around. It's like, oh, my God, I got this, and this is going on. I don't know what to do. And they literally will drown. Yeah. they rather not open their mouths and say help 
and they'll just drown in whatever they're dealing with. But, and then there are people and that, that too. And then there are yeah. some people that literally can take it all on their own and just, they find ways to combat it and they, they survive. And, and even though it may not be the healthiest route because you're keeping everything yourself, but they, they've managed to just keep that inner strength and keep chucking along. And then there are people who yeah, yeah. are feel comfortable and it's like, look, I can do both. I can reach out and confide in others, but also still be strong at the same time. And, but I mean, I, I fight for right. all of them regardless because I understand being the one that's fluttering in the water and, and almost drowning because yeah. I, there's times where yeah. you just, you maybe it's the guy thing in me where I'm just like, I don't want to show, you know, weakness, but it's like, I, I just, I know like doing it alone is not fun and it's, it's much harder. No, it's a long way around. No. And, and I, for me, I kind of section it out. Like this person gets this piece of what's going on. This person over here in my life gets this piece you know, of what's going on. And, and for me, one thing, <laughs> One thing is I laugh about everything, even things like most people are like, what is wrong with you that you're laughing about this? But that's how I like get through things, right? I have a very dark sense of humor and it's gotten progressively darker as I've gotten older. And, um, and so I, I will watch like some of my favorite comedians that are that way, right? Um, and then I have certain friends that I can just say really messed up stuff to. Uh, and even my husband, I could just say really messed up things. I only once has he ever looked at me and gone, what is wrong? Yeah, uh, One time. And it was because I, I, oh God. Okay. It was right. got my seat. I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's a little personal, but there was, there was, it was right after one of the procedures and I, I made a joke. It was actually based on something out of the show family guy um, okay. that popped in family. head at one point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I made a joke and my husband, and it, it was, it was regarding intimacy and he did not think that was funny. And, <laughs> it, was like, and it was just too soon for him. Like he, like we had just found out some other stuff going on with me and it just, and then there was some stuff like random stuff happening with him. And so it was just, it was just not the day for that joke, but usually he's so spot on with that. But he was like, like it's not funny. And I'm over there just howling, laughing. Well, one right? of the most famous then episodes told, is an abortion episode. So yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Did this, okay. So I'll go ahead and say, cause you're a fan of the show. So the one, um, there's one, and I can't remember now what was going on, but there's one where Quagmire is talking about how great it is to have sex with a woman who has seizures. Uh, I think right. I and I was like, it. yeah, I was like, Hey, you should, totally, you should totally this. and he got so angry at me and it was just a joke and he was so infuriated at me and I was like it's okay honey like I was just I'm sorry like I didn't you know it was just not the right time for that joke but uh, but you have to have those kind of people that will just laugh with you when you need to laugh that will just let you say the things that you need to say sure. um I remember my my aunt was um, was diagnosed with leukemia and she did pass away and, and she knew she was going to die and nobody would let her talk about it except for my mom. I was a kid at the, well, not a kid. I was a teenager at the time. And she, and she and I talked about it. That's not the same to talk about if you're teenage niece, right? She needed an adult. Um, and so she, she reached out to my mother who would really let her talk about it. And that was so impactful to me to, to hear her talk about what that meant to her, that my mom would do that. And so that always kind of stuck with me that, look, if somebody comes to you and they need to tell you the really real stuff and it's ugly and it's hard, just steer into it. Just like, all right, well, this is what we're doing today. <laughs> this is what we're going to talk about, you know, and, and just, and, and let them have it. Because if somebody chooses you, if somebody needs to talk to you about that stuff, 
it's because it's breaking them. And it's like, nobody comes to you and is like, hey, you know, I feel suicidal or it's really hard that, you know, I can't, um, I can't eat these things anymore. It's really hard that my body is failing me. Nobody just wants to talk about these things. So if somebody comes to you with that, they're breaking. Yeah. And this is a life preserver. Sure. So instead of pushing that away <laughs> or feeling awkward about it, just, just let it go. Just, this is what they need to talk about. This is, this is the human experience. Like we, we watch it in movies, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. But somehow when it's personal, people freak out and I'm like, no, mm-mm, just steer into it. Just, this person has elected you as their, as the person to catch the life preserver. So right. they say thank you and keep going with it as best you can. Yeah. Two things I want to comment on what you said. Cause so one of mine was a dark sense because you shared it. So I have to tell you one of mine just to make you feel better. Oh, good. Um, my friend <laughs> asked me, he's like, do you ever want to be an organ donor? And I said, yeah, the only thing I'm going to donate is my eyes. And, uh, <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like I'm just, I need something to laugh at, dude. Like, this is, I can't, I can't do this all day long being serious. Like, yes, I know my eyes suck. Oh what do you want from me? And then, um, oh my God. And then, like, to the point of like with comedy and just like letting people share. I remember listening to a, a comedian named Jim Norton. He's a really dark comic. Oh, I love him. Right. And yeah. He, he starts talking about when he was a kid, him and his, his friends, they were like eight and like 11, and they would just, they would give each other oral sex, not because they were into each other because they were both straight guys, but they just thought that was the way they, they played this weird game and they'd go into the thing and, and they would just <laughs> blow each other. And it was just, a, it was a whole story. And to me, like, I don't know what kind of trauma he was dealing, but he was just sharing this on a radio show. And it was, just yeah. like, and I was just, I was just enthralled, but like, it made me feel good about me and my issues and being molested and things I went through. Yeah, right. <laughs> he wasn't really molested. He was just going, he was just doing something with a friend, but I'm like, why is he sharing this? Like on a national radio show that has millions yeah, this, of viewers. This is his life. Yeah. And it, all, it, here it is. But it made me feel so good about my problems because even though some of mine were worse than his, it was just like, if he can share that in front of millions of people, like, why can't I do that on a podcast? Yeah. It's just like, here it is. Like, this is just what's up. Like, this is just what's going on with my weird body. Or this is the fucked up thing that happened to me when I was a kid. Or, or whatever, you know, yeah, whatever it is. We're taking our insecurities and just making fun of it. Like, cause that's the way we deal yeah. with it. Some of us have been through so much oh, shit yeah. that it's like, yes, deep down, we probably do want to cry every day cause it sucks ass, but we, we can't, <laughs> that's not going to, it's not productive. Nope. So we have nope. to laugh. Not going to, not going to do anything. Like nothing good is going to come of that. Like, um, and it, <laughs> you know, I, I'll never forget too. I was <laughs> talking about really dark sense of the humor. I have, I had a friend who was in heart failure and I go in and I go in to see her and I was like, you know, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, she's like the pump on my love muscles really fucked up. She's like, and I, and I looked over at her husband, who's a mechanic goes, yeah, yeah. You know, we're getting her a new carburetor and a new blah, blah, blah. He starts listing all these things he's going to do to like fix her. And like all these different car parts and we're having this whole conversation. And then the nurse comes in and we're like involving her in it. And then the doctor comes in and he's sitting there and he's looking at us and he's like, what are you? Like, Y'all shouldn't be talking like this around her. It's going to upset her. She looks at her and she's, I started it. <laughs> and he just was like mind blown that his patient was sitting there joking about like how she was just breaking down. Like, well, my shit's broken. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. This is, this is just what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have to you have to make jo- jokes like there there was 
God, you know, I one one time I had to have a, a lump taken out of one of my breasts. And I had this giant, like when they very first say it, it's fine now. You can't even see it, but like it was this huge, like ridiculous, like Frankenstein looking, you know, uh, incision for a while, and because it was big, it was a big lump, and um, and so I used to go, I was like, I'm Franken boob. <laughs> you know, just make jokes about it. Like, it just is what it is. Yeah, you have to. Actually, so like, yeah. kind of like a side note, because you said you talk to a lot of people like in HR departments. Like, how do you talk right. to them? Because, so I, again, I've gotten a lot of trouble <laughs> because I'm very vocal and I stand up for other people and myself and whatever. Oh, same thing. And, and, yeah. so, and I try to tell these people because the, the place I work for, which I'm trying to find a way out, it's a nonprofit, but they hire people with visual impairment and blindness. And there's a lot of insensitive shit that they say and do or whatever. But I try to tell them, I'm like, look, you, you make a lot of these rules for people who don't really have politically correct lives. Like we don't, we don't live politically correct way in any way, shape or form. Right. Our lives are very hard. And the way we combat it a lot of times is by dark sense of humor. It's not meant to be, you know, offensive, but we have to deal with our yeah, own ways. What it is. So we're angry. So like, how do you talk to these people um, you know, since you're one of us and you're one of the people that has to, you know, and you laugh at a lot of your own issues, like how do how do you, oh, yeah. you know, include people and, and let them know how to, you know, include us? So one of the things that when I'm talking to HR people, because you, you kind of like when you're going into talk to them, you have to remember that you know, most of what they were taught was wrong. <laughs> it's not their fault. That's mm-hmm. actually what they were taught, you know, right. um, and and there were reasons for it, but they the reasons just weren't good enough. You know, it's kind of one of those situations. So I, the first thing I do is we start to work on very basic concepts, right? We just, I kind of, I, I start with the stuff that's, you know, that's very easily agreed with. And we kind of start there. It's like, okay, good. Now we got the foundation, right? Like we're, we're cooking with that. We got that going on. I help them to, you know, to understand you know, some, some things that they can do to help that are within the bounds of what they've been taught. And then we start to work on, accepting you know where people are and and it starts with you know helping them to understand so you know emotional agency in the workplace you know which is using the emotions which is using and um working with your emotions to be more productive and more effective and healthier you know that type of thing so we talk about emotional agency we talk about psychological safety and then i start to to talk to them about okay so it's a fine line, right? Because you also do have to be careful not to harm other people, right? At work. So for instance, I have a friend who was sexually assaulted and will make jokes about how that happened to her because that's how she copes with it. Sure. However, she has said that around other people who have had a similar experience and it really hurt them. Right. So you have to understand that just because something works for you, it may not work for other people, but then, you know, kind of you know, the other way around. So one thing that, uh, that I work with, with HR departments a lot is to create spaces in which people can quote, let it out. Right? In other words, you know, we're going to have this meeting over here and this is what this meeting is going to be like, and it's going to be free flow and people are going to be able to just say the things and all that kind of stuff. And then here we go, you know, on our merry way. Um, you have to understand that people in the really in the um, in the workplace will have their own relationships, right? So, like you and I, if we were working together, we might say some really fucked up things to each other, but we might not go say them to Sally Sue, who has a desk down the road, down the road, right? 
so, you know, accept that and understanding that. So the, the being within earshot thing, that's got to go. You know, like, oh, I just overheard what somebody said. But on the other hand, you and I would have a responsibility to make sure that we were keeping things that ourselves, in other words, don't shout out our jokes so that everybody can hear them, you know, keep them at a reasonable volume. So it's a balance. It's, you know, n- know your audience, know, you know, know when it's appropriate to say these things, know who you can say these things to, uh, whisper them. It's not a harassment issue. You know, I'm like, look, if it happens one time, like the person guessed wrong, they thought they could say something to somebody and they couldn't, you just say, okay, well now, you know, no big deal, move on, you know? Um, but, you know, knowing your audience, establishing those boundaries and letting other people know, look, if you don't want to hear that thing, don't go talk to those two while they're talking to each other socially. Like, just, just don't. <laughs> you know what it's going to be. Maybe don't go to lunch with them because you know how they are. Like, just, just don't go. It's the same thing, you know, is with other things. I've, I've, had, I've had situations over the years where that came up for, you know, non-inclusive reasons. Just, oh, well, I don't like, I don't like what they talk about at lunch. Well, then don't go to lunch with them like problem solved, you know, nobody's required to be your friend. So it's a balance. But one of the main things that I teach is to create number one, an understanding that people are allowed to be themselves. You know, as long as it's not hurting other humans, people are allowed to be themselves. Um, and then that to create specific safe spaces so that for instance, like, you know, in Florida, we're having a lot of kind of aggressive laws passed right now. So one thing that I've recommended to some companies is to create a safe space for people to talk about that and to let it out. Um, and so, you know, creating that kind of safe space is a good, is a good way to go about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's one of the biggest problems we have now is there's not a lot of open dialogue. No one's really getting to know right. each other. It's a lot of uh, Fox CNN type of where I'll have, I'll have someone on the show with an opposite perspective. And then as soon as they're done, I'll either talk over them or ignore exactly what they said and just go right back into my point. And there's no really right. getting to know each other. There's no learning from other experiences. You're not allowed to be different. There's no gray area. It's black or white. It's, it's, there and is see, no that other. doesn't, that doesn't work. It no. just doesn't work. You have to respond with curiosity, not ego. And you have to listen to other people. If, if it's your way or the highway, you will eventually fail. Um, you, no matter how good you are at something, you know, you'll, you'll eventually fail. You have to learn to listen to other people, to get to know them. We are symbiotic beings. That This isn't just for work. This is just for life sure. because we're symbiotic beings. So you have to learn to, to exist with the other humans and to listen to them and to understand them. Uh, it's just part of life. <laughs> Well, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like that old like George Carlin bit where he's talking about religion and he's just like, you know, do you believe in God? And they say no. And then they kill them. Or do you believe in God? Right. Yes. Do you believe in my God? No. And then they kill them. Like, it's like, right. yeah, it's like you have to conform to a certain ideology. Otherwise, you're not like everyone else. You're even though you're just an out of the box thinker, you're a little different, uh, especially when you're when you when that's the thing, like when you have a disability or disabilities, you have to think outside the box because the box isn't med f- meant for you. So we right. were naturally pushed towards that. And so there's always a gray area with us. It's just a lot of people want us to be black or white. And it's like, no, there is many other. Well, aspects. nobody is though. No, I know. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm just, yeah. from one like, of us. just yeah. right. Yeah. But no, to, but to your point, so, that you, so you mentioned, you know, it's the box wasn't built for us. Well, that's exactly the problem. 
Yeah. And that's what we've kind of run into is that this whole system of work was not designed for people with neurodiversities, physical diversities, uh, cultural diversities, so on and so forth. It was just not designed for them. It was designed for the people. It was designed by the people who were in power with only themselves in mind. And so it is very, uh, it's very ineffective. It just doesn't work. It's kind of like how uh, for years, and this is just fact, this isn't, you know, what opinion, although I certainly have one on this issue, up until extremely recently, only men and typically white men were used to form diagnostic processes. They didn't understand that things could be different for different races, that things could be different for the different genders. And so, you know, a lot of things were overlooked. Like you hear that, you know, women are, it's getting missed that they're having strokes and heart attacks. Women are typically not diagnosed with neurodiversities such as autism, ADHD, and dyslexia, things like that until they are well into adulthood. I spoke to a woman not long ago who's 68 when she got her first, when she got her diagnosis, it should have been like so obvious it was painful. <laughs> um, so they, they just weren't using it. So the system was not built for everybody. So it, it just, it just doesn't work. And the, the world of work is exactly the same thing. It was built for this one group and that's it. So one thing I told them, they're like, well, how do we fix it? I'm like, I said, you don't fix it. I don't want to fix it. And, and people kind of like look at me funny and say, no, I don't want to fix it. I want to completely gut it and start again. Yeah. There's nope, this doesn't work. Because when you go back and you're trying to fix something that's already messed up, <laughs> oh, yeah. it takes so much longer and so much more work. Ugh, no, just scratch it, start again. So I actually, I've walked a couple of companies through that and gone, okay, so we're just going to just all these things that you're doing. Nope. We're just going to design it from the ground up. Now, some of that stuff ended up back in there, right? Because it was just still the you know, best way to do things. So not everything actually went away, but that's the mindset that you go into. It's not, let's fix this weird thing over here. It's no, no, no. Let's just build it as it should be. Yeah. Well, and then that's what we're going to do. Well, and it seems like, it, you know, it's like the, the guys who created South Park when they were referring to like the N word as when they said, when they wanted to have a funeral for it, they were like, it's all or nothing. You either take that word and all the other words, because eventually there's going to be a bunch of other ones, which now there is. And or just leave them all be because they're words and it is what it is. And it's kind of like what's going on now with, with like the transgender community, because it's like, and again, I know that's going on in Florida as well. Um, right. There, there has some things that have gone a little too far. Like we, we gotten so open where it's like, okay, gays can get married. Great. You know, abortion is legal. Great. But then now it's like, now we need to take it all back because we're allowing kids to, to say that they're cats and we have to put litter boxes in schools. It's like, well, no, why don't we stop that? Why don't we, I mean, we cut back on some of these things, but not like, let's just get rid of abortion. Let's get rid of gay marriage. Like all that stuff was good. It's like, we can't, we, right. we, it has to be one extreme or the other. And it's like, no, you, you can't. They can't. Uh, no. There's, like, there's gray no. areas. Like I what? said, there's, there's a lot what? going on to these issues. One of my favorite ones, um, kind of to your point about the extremities thing is and this, I get asked this, I've been asked this so many times over the years and I always just laugh and I have the exact same response every time. And people go, well, if we allow gays to get married and people to be transgender, which by the way, don't get to allow somebody to be transgender and transgender is, it refers to somebody with gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria, which is a medically visible and diagnosable condition. They're not choosing that, but I digress. So you know, if we're going to allow all of this, where's the line? Where's the line? You know, what, who's to say they won't marry a dog or marry a child? Then I look at them, I go, well, the same exact law that keeps a straight person from doing that, which is called consent. Yeah. That is the concept that will stop all of that. 
consent. It is a black and white concept. Either you consented or you did not. And that's a very clear line, you know, and it's, and it's the same thing. There's very, people try to act like there's, there, these are, you know, concepts that are, you know, creating new gray lines. They're really not the same exact, or, or, you know, that are blurring what were very hard lines. Well, they're really not. You're just learning that there are other humans that exist within the spectrum. So it looks different, but the line is still exactly the same, you know? So if somebody is doing something that hurts another person, now there's a problem, right? If somebody is doing something that is unhygienic (laughs) or something, that's the problem. If somebody is, but if somebody is doing something that only affects their life and that, you know, is just about, you know, what, what they need to do, then fine. Great. You know, knock yourself out. Don't really care. People do all kinds of weird stuff all the time. I like you, you can't stop that. <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah. So it's, and it's the same thing for the disability community, right? So you know, I've had people, oh, well, if we accommodate this person, then we're going to have to accommodate everybody. So you should be, you should be accommodating everybody. Whatever somebody needs to work more comfortably and in a healthier, happier manner, that's what you ought to be doing. Yeah. And Accenture recently did a study that showed that over, uh, over 90% of accommodations cost $5 or less because so much effort has been put into <laughs> into making things affordable and accessible. Now, there are still plenty that cost, you know, that cost money. And I understand having a process for that. But you should be accommodating everybody. That's a duh. That's what, that's what always cracks me up when people say that to me. Like, well, why wouldn't you want to accommodate everybody? Yeah. That's like having a party and going, I'm only going to have food that these five people like and the other 35 of you can just suck it. Well, yeah. And they only, <laughs> right. Well, they only do certain things just for, for an image anyway. So it's like, if they start saying like, oh, there's not enough black employees, they'll go out and hire a couple of black people, even though they don't even care about like how good the work is. Like I can go into my grocery store tomorrow and all the people work there are black. I don't give a shit. But it's like hire right. the right black people, hire the right gay people, hire whoever you're hiring. Don't do it just because you're trying to look good. Hire the best employees. But then, well, that's what I tell people. Yeah, don't make sure everybody has these, the same opportunity. Make sure that you're putting it out there so that everybody has the right opportunity. Make sure that everybody understands how to interview, right? So the people in the disability community and all that all have the same opportunity, and people in different cultures have the same opportunity. And then just hire the same person. Who cares? And tokenism sucks. Nobody wants tokenism. No. <laughs> like, no. I don't know a single person working in diversity and inclusion who's like, yeah, I have a quota. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Nobody, literally nobody wants that mess. Only the government came up with that. The government is the only institution that I'm aware of at this point that still has that nonsense. Yeah. Well, when it comes- like, we need this percentage of people. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but when it comes to us, it's like we we're tend we're looked at as liabilities because we're, we're, it's people who have a mindset of what it's like to be able-bodied, and they're like, "Well, I couldn't do this blindfolded. I couldn't do this with one leg. I couldn't do." It. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you couldn't because you don't have the mindset. I'm forced to have yeah, this mindset. Projection. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's why so many of us are so frustrated. Because again, there are a lot of us in our community that are lazy and don't want to work. A lot of us don't want to hear. Oh, that is a thing. Oh, that's oh, that sets me off. Yeah, it's oh, a real it thing. Me off. And, but, yep. but there's a yep. lot of us who do want to work and we're affected by the workplace because of not just, you know, our people who are lazy, but also just, like you said, the projections and just the misinformation. It's just like, dude, do you understand like how loyal of an employer I would be? 
like how much I would really give you. Oh my God. Yes. You have people coming yes. in. Every, it's like, I, I know I've, I've, there was one guy that used to work with us and his, his dad was like vice president of the company. He's just like, yeah, my son just turned down his, he just left his fourth place that paid over $20. An hour. I'm like, are you shitting me? Why is he still getting work? Like he, he and, I, and I worked with him one time and I'm like, he's one of the worst workers I ever worked with. And he had, there was nothing, I think he had ADHD or something, but that was it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put down ADHD, but the people he was working next to had way worse problems. And I'm like, my God, he was so lazy and pathetic of a worker and he was entitled and, and just privileged in every single way. Oh, I've known some of those. And yep. I'm, I'm like, my God, dude, like what, like, why is it that you won't hire someone who has a disability, who will give you an effort. And maybe it won't work out for them, but like let them figure it out. And it's because so many, yes. we're so discouraged by everything because we don't feel like we fit in because we go into a place yes. and we're automatically just that one person. We're the blind person. We're so the deaf person. I, yes. I teach people when I teach a lot of classes and I do speeches. In fact, I just did one recently on this. And I, one of the main things I emphasize is the, the detriment of social disability. So there's legal disability, there's medical disability, and then there's social disability. And social sucks because that's just what everybody else has decided about you. Yeah. And, you know, and I talk about that when I talk, like people's light bulbs will just like go off. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this to people. And, you know, I talk about, you know, the projection of you were assuming this and this about this person. But there was a really great exercise I saw years ago, and I've actually used it a couple of times, is, you know, you have a bunch of people, you know, uh, in, in a room and you take a few aside and, and you, you tie them up with one, you know, tie up one of their arms and then you have them learn, you know, learn to do it, you know, do it some task, whatever it is with just the one arm, something that they never would have done with just one arm before and let them figure it out, like tie their shoe or something like that. Right. And then you bring everybody else, you bring everybody else out and you put them with everyone else that's been in the room and you say, okay, now everybody, we're going to time you and everybody put their hand behind their back everybody in the whole room and everybody tie their shoe. And then you look at the ones who didn't just practice it, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Well, why weren't you just as fast as them? Why couldn't you do it just as good? Yeah. And they're kind of like, well, well, I never had that experience. Said, exactly. And so when you have the experience of having to practice something a certain way, it doesn't matter that it's a quote handicap. You're going to be good at it, right? <laughs> because you found your own way to do it. And so it kind of shows them in a very firsthand way that, oh, you know, this works. It is, you know, when you've had this experience of getting to practice something a certain way, you can do it really well. It's just different. And so it's okay. And that's exactly what we all experience, you know, with the hiring and, and all that kind of thing. Oh, you know, it's, you can't do it the way I do it. So you must not be able to do it. Well, no, I can, you know, <laughs> I can do it. It's just going to look a little bit differently than, than how you do it. Um, the other thing that is fascinating to me is how many people really get stuck on this idea that, you know, that they, how do I say this with us? Trying to think of a non-offensive way. I've been working on non-offensive ways to say things, but sometimes it just needs to be said. Some people just don't care to get better, right? That's, that's the problem. They're just inherently a jerk. And, and it's right now, it's kind of trending to be a jerk. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it's so cool that, that I'm just a jerk. And oh, I'm just being authentically me or I'm just whatever. Like, no, no, being authentically you does not mean you get to be an ass, right? That's two different things. And being a jerk sucks. <laughs> it makes you it makes you a jerk, 
That's it. It doesn't make you cool. It just makes you a jerk. Um, when you run into people like that, and it happens a lot, right? And I, I talk to a lot of people in the disability community that have to deal with this. So when you run into that, there are two ways to approach it. You can show them up, make them look stupid, which always glorious thing to get to. Tons of fun. Yeah. Or you can just walk away. And just, and it sucks, whether it's a job or something in person or whatever, you can just go, you know what, no, not, like, there's just no point. Because if somebody has just decided to be a jerk, you're never going to change their mind. You may be able to change the minds of other people around them, but you're never going to change their mind because they've just decided to dig in. And so I see a lot of people that just beat their head against the wall, just determined to change the minds of people who are jerks. I'm like, you're not going to just is what it is you know and and so now when i talk to hr leadership about these people and tell them and and these are the people that you fire immediately the second that you realize that they're a jerk fire them get rid of them poof be gone the second that they show that inflexibility the second that they are being discriminatory against another employee and they won't correct it immediately fire them yeah the one thing i would say with the disability (laughs) thing it, it seems to be harder to prove discrimination because it's like, it's there's a lot of things that we get that's like implied and things we understand, but it's like it's it's different than race. It's oh, that's true with sex. everything. Oh no, it's not different with race. Trust me, there is just as much subtlety with all of that as there is in the disability community. As somebody who's dealt with it from an HR perspective, let me tell you, subtlety is everywhere. <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah, I completely understand. But I'm saying more people are more aware of the racial stuff as far as there, I know a lot. I have a lot of friends in in the workplace and. And yes, there's definitely subtleties and everything, but I'm saying I've, I've had some that are less subtle and people don't really think it's like, well, I don't think that's what they meant. It's like, no, I know exactly what they meant. You know, I, I was working at a place and a woman came up to me and I've said this before and she asked me that I work at this one place previously and it was a place where special needs kids go. And I go, no, why would you ask me that? It was like our first interaction. And she goes, oh, no reason. I just wanted to know my husband worked there. And I don't know what she was trying to say. She was asking me if I was slow. But when I said that to the HR person, they're like, I don't think that's what she meant. I'm like, no, that's exactly what she meant. Why would she ask me that? She was only coming over to get tape. Like, there's there's no other reason to have this conversation with me. So, it's like I said. When well, that's came, a bad HR person. That's what that is. Yeah. But, yeah, no, yeah. you're right. But, I mean, it's just – and then, like, I, I had an inter- – this is the place where I work now. Like, I had an altercation with a guy who – um, came up to me and he was just like in my space. And I'm like, dude, please like, all right. And he just kept repeating himself over and over. And as a person with a disability, who's been constantly perceived to be as slow because I look at a phone close or whatever. I'm like, dude, don't repeat yourself ever again to me, please. You said it seven times. I get it. Whatever. Please get out of my space. You're like really close to me and I have nowhere else to go at some point. Like the conversation is going to change and I'm, I, I can't tell you where it's going to go. And he just kept going and kept going. And eventually it got heated and I told him how I really felt about him. And of course I got in trouble because I said naughty words. You know, I, I told him that he sucked dick to get the job and whatever else. Well, but to me where he went wrong was he didn't accept your boundary when you said it. Like for instance, I have, uh, in fact, I just literally just had this conversation like an hour and a half ago um, before we started this call with a person who has autism who will say things very bluntly and in certain ways. And, and he just, he's just communicating. Like that's, that really is all it is. He is just communicating. Um, sometimes he'll repeat himself because in his mind, that's what he's doing. He's just walking you through his thought process. But if you tell him, 
hey, this is my boundary. Or, hey, don't text me eight times about this when I just asked for a one-line response. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Once you set that boundary, he respects it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's what it is, right? Because different people are going to have different needs, right? And I don't know what this guy's case was. He might have been talking down to you and just been a complete jerk hole, right? But the, the main thing is, to me, the main thing I take away from that um, is that he didn't respect your boundary once you said it. And he kept going, which tells me he is the jerk which completely validates everything that you thought about him. Because if he had cut now, if he just stopped and said, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I was just, you know, stuck in a loop in my head and blah, blah, blah. Like, I am so sorry, man. That is not what I meant. You know, let me, let me fix it. That would have been a completely different situation. Right. Yeah. So it's that response. And that's why I teach HR people is that's how you catch the jerk from a misunderstanding. And, and with neurodiversity, for instance, you know, it is culturally accepted that if somebody interrupts you, that they're rude. But I tell people, well, no, because there's a whole there's a whole group of people out there that that's just how they communicate. All a group of people out there with all different either diagnoses or just personal preferences or anything like that. But that's just how they communicate. Now, if your boundary is that you do not wish to be interrupted, for instance, I don't care, but my husband really does. So he sets that boundary with people and he says, hey, just so you know, that does not work for me. Please, you know, you know, please you know, respect my boundary. They're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, off we go with it. So it's the setting of boundaries that's so very important yeah. because everybody's going to have different needs, right? Sure. You just have to let people know. And then that's how you know who's the Jerkosaurus Rex and who's, you know, just a different person. Well, it's, it's also like, again, when you, when you're no, I'm not talking about this person because I, I really don't think right. he's all that bad of a person. He's just more of an ass kisser and he wants to prove to the bosses that he's worked. He, he got put into a job and given power when he shouldn't have, and he has no idea how to lead. Ugh. Oh yeah. That's always the worst. One of those. But I, it, it's just, when you, people to begin with, when you don't know how to lead, especially when you have people who are different, like people with disabilities, you got to allow people to be themselves, obviously within reason. If you're an asshole, then okay, calm it down. But in general, if you're, right. everyone has their own accommodations in different ways. And so if you just allow a person to be themselves, and like in my case, I tell people, look, leave me alone. I don't mean leave me alone. Like don't, if I do something wrong, yeah, coach me. If I, you know, whatever, talk to me. We right. can have conversations. Just leave me. Don't nitpick. Don't bullshit at me. Like just leave me be. Let me be myself. Let me joke around. Try to bring morale up and have a good energy because that's kind of what you guys want around here. But it's like you don't want me to be me. You want me to be what you want me to be. And it's like I'm never going to fit right. into that box because again, as a person nope. with a disability, I know what it's like to try to be squeezed into a box that I don't fit in. So when you do that, right. like, allow people. And again, even just mental health, you know, I saw a guy at work, same guy, he has another, he has other disabilities, but I saw he was just having a really bad mental health day. And one of the supervisors kept trying to like talk to him. And I'm like, dude, just leave him be like, he's going to start cursing. And I'm like, I don't want him to get yeah, fired. Not today. I'm like, just leave not him today. be. And I told him, I, sl I slapped him on the back and I said, Hey man, you need something. I'll be over here. I get it. You're going through it. And again, I, and I understand that part of life, like mental health. I don't know what everyone's going through. I don't know what it's like to be other things, but I do know what it's like to have issues and I do know what it's like when I need my space. So I can right. easily and I have, I have empathy and I, I know how to put myself in a mindset of a person who's going through something. And, uh, right. and that's the thing. If you just allow people to be themselves and stop going with like the code and the book and all these things, just figure out what, just take a case by case and a person by person. And yep. just go, okay. What's going on with you? I'm dealing with this right now. 
you're not my problem. It's just don't give me more of a headache. I just need to be left alone. The job's going to get done. Don't worry. It's just if you yeah. continue to it's nag not at me, today. Yeah. you keep nagging at me, I'm going to say some shit that I really want to say, but I kind of don't want to yeah. say it the way I'm going to say it. And, yeah. you know, like when I said what you, I said to him, I said, I, I said, like, yeah, I could have reworded it a different way. It's just, I meant everything I said. It was all truthful, but I didn't really want to say it to you because I don't think you're a guy they can handle. Cause I think I did really hurt his feelings because I was so truthful and so honest to him. But it's like, dude, I warned you. I said the temperature of the conversation would change if you continue to repeat yourself to me. And again, I got, see, that's, yeah, go ahead. but see, there you go though. But see, again, as an HR person, I would have turned and looked at him and said, why did you not respect his boundary? Yeah. But that's, he the, told you on no uncertain terms that he needed you to stop. So why didn't you? Yeah. And honestly, he would have gotten a write up too for me, like right off the bat, just, just because when somebody sets a boundary with you and you don't respect it, that's the problem. Sure. When someone says stop, you stop. Yeah. And that's just it, <laughs> you know, but then it's also just, you know, communicating, learning to communicate, you know, where everybody is on any given day, uh, that type of thing. And I had a leader, a person in leadership, I say, say to me at one point, well, you know, I can't keep up with all that. I can't keep up with, you know, what everybody on my team needs and their own individual needs. I said, then you're in the wrong line of work and we need to get you in a new position. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me with this dumbfounded look. He goes, well, but, but that doesn't mean I can't. No, it absolutely means that you cannot do your job because this is your job. Yeah. yeah. And he just, he just kind of didn't know what to say. But I was like, well, no, sorry, that's it. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, a lot of people sign up for jobs that they don't know what it all entails. And they just go, well, I can't right. do this part, but I could do all this. It's like, yeah, but that's part of the job you signed up for. It's Well, this, that's the part. Like, in your leadership, taking care of people is the part. That is that is the job. <laughs> that's, like, that's not some little tiny, minute thing that we can outsource to, like, your assistant or something. No, that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> that's, that's just it. A lot of people think because they have degrees or whatever thing, they think because they did that, like that, that makes them a good leader. But a leader is not something you just go to school for. Like that's you either have leadership. No, or you, don't. you have to have yeah. real life experience. You have to be around other people. You can't just be in a one circle when you grew up in your your family and like you have only one color of friends. And like if you haven't traveled or haven't been around other people, like you shouldn't be in leadership because you're well. Gonna- and also. It, it, it's also uh, the biggest thing to me is you, you have to be able to go into it with a servant's mindset and understand that you are there to take care of other people. This is not about a power trip, anything like that. This is about taking care, especially if you're in direct leadership. This is about taking care of the human period. Yeah. That's it. So if you don't want to do that, don't get into management. That is literally the whole job. Sure. <laughs> That's it. That is the thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I have to keep you on here too long. So like, what are you doing today with your life? I mean, it's a basic question. What am I doing? To, what am I doing today with, with myself? Yes. Uh, getting ready to go to London. I am going to be speaking at a UN sponsored event about neurodiversity uh, and sustainability. Very excited about that. Awesome. I actually, that's a big thing with the UN right now is sustainability. Um, so I'm very excited about that situation outside of that. Um, doing some work actually with a really cool organization called Peak Performers, which is a company that helps people with disabilities get hired. So there you go for your audience. If you have a disability, you need help, reach out to Peak, and you're in the U.S., uh, reach out to Peak Performers. They are happy to help you out. Um, They do wonderful work, um, really, really wonderful work. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it right now, work-wise. And other than that, just lots of speaking and 
living life on the beach. That's it. <laughs> awesome. Um, kind of wrap up. One of the things I did want to ask you, so like, obviously you have all these conditions that affect you. Like, is there any things you do like certain techniques that you do to just kind of combat all of them at once? Like, is there certain things you do? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, so one of the things that I do is I very carefully monitor what I eat and not just in terms of allergies and, you know, weight loss and all that kind of stuff, but it's just in terms of a lot of people don't realize that different foods that you eat actually do release different chemicals into your body. So being very mindful of that, that also helps with mental health, by the way. Uh, to be very mindful of the things that you put into your body. I make a point to get up and move a lot to keep my circulation going because when your body has better circulation, it is automatically healthier. Even when I'm sitting, I'm doing different movements and things like that to keep everything going and working well. Um, I also do a lot of charting of myself. So I am always very aware of where I am in different cycles, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, I really pay a lot of attention to what's going on. And so now when I have, you know, I feel a certain response, I can go, oh, I know what's happening now. There it is, you know, and, and I can respond to it early and be proactive instead of reactive, which is nice. Uh, because when I literally chart myself, I can go, you can see patterns and you go, oh, all right. So when this happens, this is about to happen. So then you just make that a little trigger in your brain. Um and then outside of that, um, I don't know. I did. I fire. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but I fire the BS in my life. So if there's something that that is causing too many problems, I just get rid of it. Sure. Just, just nope. Do not want. <laughs> whatever it is, just nope. Don't want to do that anymore. Don't want to eat that. Don't want to be around that person. You know, whatever it is, because all of those things, anything that adds stress to your life, exacerbates all those other things. So just. I just say no to the BS. Yeah, I'm always about to say that I like to have a clean bubble. I just, yes, just very much so. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's infiltrating my bubble, just get rid of it. I don't want it. I'm just I need a clean, clean yep. bubble. Uh, have you ever yep. have you ever dealt with brain fog? Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's just something I'm trying to deal with currently, and I'm trying to figure out like what's the best way. Because I've taken every damn supplement on the market. And it's like, it's like, no. <laughs> and then I try to eat better and I'm not a big guy. And then I lost 18 pounds and I'm like, no. no. Like, oh. <laughs> You're like, no, I need that back. Cut it out. Um, so I will tell you for me, and, and this is, this is going to sound a little funny, but it, it really does work. So for brain fog, um, number one, breathing exercises, and you can actually look them up. That helps. Uh, doing grounding. And I, so I kind of have a cycle. So I, I start with the, the breathing exercises. And then I will do grounding exercises, you know, where you look around, you acknowledge certain things, you think about what those things mean, that kind of thing. It kind of gets your brain doing little tasks. Okay. And then I, there's very specific music that I listen to. And if you kind of Google and, and all that kind of thing, there's different kinds of music that are designed to wake your brain up. And so I'll listen to like there's I'll start with, you know, one composer and their music, and then I'll go to another, and then I'll listen to some jazz, and then I'll listen to something else. And it takes my brain into different statuses and different ways to process. And I really pay attention to the music and I focus on it and I kind of wake it up. So that's, that's what I do to get out of brain fog. Yeah, I'll try. That helps. I will try. <laughs> and again, because kind of going back to the, the, the gross thing we were talking about earlier is like one of the things I looked up is constipation could cause it. And I'm like, right. my mind is going everywhere. Yep. Like what causes is yep. it the food? Is it this? Is it that? And it's like, and then I, one of the problems that I've just ignored on my body, I'm just like, oh yeah, you've had this one problem. You can't go. And I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> so again, it could yeah. be that too, but 
but I'm looking for oh, any, gosh, yes. I'm looking for yeah. every technique and because some days it's better. I mean, I'm, I think matcha tea is something that really helps, but there's just, there's certain things that do help and some things that don't. And I'm just, I'm kind of where you are. It's just, you're a little ahead of me, but I'm, I'm just trying to infiltrate. Get rid of- <laughs> well, and it's, and, and it, it is, it doesn't matter what's causing your brain fog, right? Like for me, it's usually my seizures. So that's a different right, that's a whole situation maybe than what you're, yeah. yeah. But you never know, you know, you just never know what's, what's causing it, what may help or whatnot. But yeah, so good luck, man. Okay. I hope it, I hope you figure something out. Sure. Me too. Um, again, what do you have a website or anything you need to promote? Uh, not really to promote, but you can always find me at kmaccordspeaking.com. I, I will do you know, different events for whether it's virtual or in person for companies, for organizations, that type of thing. And then my company website is titanmanagementusa.com. All right. Sounds there good. There you go. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on and being so informational and dark. Absolutely. Thank you. Right. <laughs> and for having a very dark, twisted sense of humor. All right. Well, thank you so very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Same here. And please keep in touch. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Hey guys. Um, thanks again. Yeah. I always try to get some, you know, some everyone has their own ways of dealing with their issues and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with my own. And, uh, yeah, just a quick update here. Uh, I'm constipated. Yep. I've said it for the third time on this fucking episode. Um, went to the doctor, did a scan on my stomach and clearly I'm backed up. So I got to take all this fiber shit. Um, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say shit and backed up in the same conversation here, but, um, yeah, so, and, and that could be, um, uh, something that's causing the sprain fog. Uh, it's very possible. Not, not to say it is, so I'll keep you updated, but this is what's going on right now. Um, so I got to take all this crap and hopefully it'll all come out of me. Um, I know it's gross, but we're, you know, we're trying to be as honest with you as possible. Uh, everyone's sharing their stories. I don't want everyone to feel like, oh, they're, they're just out there with them. With their ass out, just like, oh, God, I said all that, and I wonder what they think. Nope. I will give you an embarrassing story myself. I will not let you be alone. Uh, and again, I'm sure, you know, constipation is not something that's uncommon. So there's plenty out there that are dealing with it right now and feel just as shitty as I do. I know I said shitty. Um, so, but again, I hope all is well with everybody. Constipation isn't the end-all be-all. It sucks, but... There's way worse things out there, as you know. We've had many people on here with way worse issues, and um, and I go through worse things than just constipation. But it's an issue, so please take care of it because you never know. That's one of those. That's one of the things. Like there's these secret little issues out there, like constipation, where you're like, you wouldn't think that would cause something like brain fog. Because two opposite ends of your body. I mean, the only thing that would be worse is like something in your feet, because a total end to your body but um yeah it's uh yeah my asses might be causing the problems in my head who knew uh grandma always told me i was an ass well she might not know what she meant by that um but yeah so i'm gonna try to take care of that issue i mean i, I need to take care of it regardless if it, kill, it clears up the brain fog or not because it's, it's killing me now um so I'm hoping this all comes out of me and my brain clears up and I'm going to try some of these exercises she said. I know the breathing ones, but I'm gonna, maybe I'm going to try to listen to some jazz, some classical music or some things. And we'll see We'll see what happens. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Um, 
but yeah, hopefully this was informational. Hopefully it helps somebody. Um, she seems to be, you know, pretty, uh, she's a very interesting person, but she's very successful in what she does. And, you know, hopefully one day I'll get there myself. I know I'm supposed to, that's the thing. Like I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to tell myself and say that out loud. Like I will be her. I will be successful. I will be. And it's just hard because like, if you don't fully believe it, I don't know. That's it's just insecurities and things. Because I know I'm going to do something. I just don't know what. But it's hard to just like be so convincing and um, stuck in my ways and just be like, no, damn it, I'm putting my foot down. I am going to be a successful dot 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 podcaster, or whatever. Um, so I'm trying. Again, this brain fog's kicking my ass. I got a headache. So I hope all is well with you guys out there. I'm hanging in there. I hope you are too. Hopefully you're doing better than me in any way. And um, just stay strong. I don't know uh, all of you out there. I don't know what you're all going through. Um, But keep in touch if you need someone to talk to. And, um, you know, or find somebody you can confide in and, and hopefully put your weight on their shoulders for a little bit and they can help you out. Um, we all need somebody. We can't do it alone. So I will see you next week. All right. Uh, bye, uh, guys and uh, gals. Mm-hmm.